Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, come on now. I had to do that one. I hope you use that as the nope. intro. <laughs> I might. <laughs> Dream big, this boy gonna make it. Stand tall, there's a higher road to take it. Let go of everything that you know. And be wild in the mystery. Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode number 47 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Rick. And I am Patrick. And we're happy to be back with you for yes. episode 47. Yep. What is... What what special is going to happen tonight, Patrick? Tonight we are going to finish J.I. Packer's Concise Theology. Yes, it's going to be done. It'll be all. This is like we're almost at one year that we've started mm-hmm. this thing. Now, now, granted, we took a, a month off, so we probably could have done it a little bit quicker than we have. But it's, it's, it's almost, been an entire it's, year. It's been one calendar. In fact, this is releasing on. What day is this one releasing? This one this one will come out. So we record a couple of weeks ahead of time. I think this one's coming out on the 19th or something like that. Okay, so it'll be about a week before the one-year yes. anniversary of the Beers and Bible podcast. Yes. So maybe we'll do something special for the one year. We will. We're still we're close to, to what we're going to talk about next, maybe. And yeah. We're, we're having discussions, but... We're not going to give that away just yet. No. we got to keep you coming back for more. That's right. That's right. We have things that are in the works, possible changes, possible... You never know. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. So, so we Heck, are... even we don't know what's going to happen most of the time. No, we don't. <laughs> we get into it, and it it just changes pretty much as we go. So, But tonight, we're going to finish Concise Theology. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the study as much as we have, and um, we hope that it's been enlightening to you um hope that you've learned something i hope it makes you think about theology mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah. because i mean so many of just kind of your your church going people who work jobs all the time they you know their pastors aren't teaching it their churches don't offer any kind of classes so you know maybe it's just an avenue where where you can dive into theology and it just makes you read a little bit you don't have to be a scholar we're not scholars you know oh. what i mean but but just read, learn what you can, mm-hmm. and, and try to better yourself as a Christian. Uh, try to understand what the Bible teaches and why it teaches that, and, and be able to defend your faith, be able to understand your faith. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's uh, you know that's kind of why we did concise theology, just to get a, a a foundation of where we are as two guys. You know, just sitting here going through life doing. Doing work, doing jobs, doing family with kids and, and all the fun things that go along with that and still trying to carve out some time to, to learn and understand God's word. Yeah. So, and in the meantime, we're going to drink beer as well. Yes, we are. Because we have firmly established that we like beer. And so what beer do we have on the stand for tonight? So, just killed my microphone. Um, so tonight we have we're going back to the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. We just a few weeks back had their um, pale ale, and yes. tonight we are going to have their wild little thing, slightly sour ale. Um, it and is. We're we're going to give props to Sierra Nevada. I don't know if they've been tapping our phones or something, but. Patrick has definitely been getting ads yeah. for this beer. I've gotten a couple of them for sure. Yeah, my Facebook had um, probably four or five days in a row, almost every time I went to Facebook, that there was an ad for this particular beer, the wild little thing. So, Sierra Nevada, I don't know what you're doing, and it's a little creepy, but 
Um, it's, the reason it's we're working. back to your it's yeah, working. So the reason we're back is because we saw your Facebook ad. So, so we're taking cues from Facebook. Now. Yeah. So um, wild little thing is a guava hibiscus and strawberry flavored, slightly sour. Um, it's a five and a half ABV with seven bitterness IBU seven IBUs, um, and. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I made fun of the watermelon Goza a couple of weeks ago because of it being a chick beer. This one literally has hippies on their website, like flower toting guitar playing yeah. board short hippies those on kid, the website. Those guys so, are on the beach, dude. <laughs> this is literally a chick beer, like even in the advertisement. Yeah. So um, let's pre-rate this thing. Okay. So, on a scale of one Luther to five Luthers, what do you think you're going to be giving Wild Little Thing? I'm going to come in, I'm going to, because the watermelon goes as surprised me, I'm going to come in at three and a half. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a little, I'm going to say I'm, I'm right there with, I think that's where it's going to be. Okay. Um, for me, um, Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, I gave it four Luthers, and I gave the watermelon Goza a couple of weeks ago five Luthers. So I am going to pre-rate this thing not quite four and a half. I can't go quite that high. I'm not going to split the difference. So I'm going to go ahead and pre-rate it at four Luthers. Coming in four. And hope that it doesn't let me down. <laughs> I, I believe that you're going to like this one because you liked the Heller High Watermelon. You gave it five. Mm-hmm. You liked the Watermelon Goza. You gave it five. So mm-hmm. I, I think this one's going to be right up your alley. Yeah. And so, I, the but the strawberry letter, the last strawberry one, because this one was strawberry, right? Yeah. Yes. So I gave a strawberry letter twenty three. I only gave it four luthers. That's true. That's but true. But it was that was a very good one though. Which guava is a sweetener, isn't it? Isn't yes. That, no, yeah. that's agave. That's I'm thinking of agave. I yeah. Or I don't know. <laughs> Neither of us are chefs. We don't know. So, but I'm ready to be done talking about it and we can crack these let's, things open and go let's for let's crack it. it open so they don't get get hot here we go three two one crack smell test out of the can smells like a strawberry beer yes it does looks holy cow that is pink <laughs> that is pink just like the can can you hear that Oh, I can. I feel like I'm drinking, uh, drinking like wine. Like it's, this is a this smells dark. Like, wine. This smells like Jolly Rancher again. It does smell a little bit like Jolly Rancher, and it looks a little bit like um, strawberry milk. So I think it looks more like strawberry lemonade. Oh, that too. That yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. That makes more sense. <laughs> All right, you got that thing turned in there. Yeah, I'm ready. I can, I can make it happen. He can make it happen. So here we go. This is the wild little thing from Sierra Nevada. Slightly sour ale. We're gonna turn it up and go to town. Bottoms up. Here we go. You know what that tastes like? A strawberry Jolly Rancher? Well, I was going to say, you remember that strawberry uh, ice cream bar from, like, the ice cream trucks? I think so, yeah. It tastes a little it's bit like a, It's been me. a minute since I've had one of those. Well. But I can say, what if ice cream did have alcohol in it when we were kids? We would never parents, know. And our parents never told us. <laughs> this, I, hey, man, I'm... I came in at three and a half because I was hoping that it was going to be good, and it definitely did not let me down. This thing is actually not not too bad. It, I do like strawberries, um, as a fruit, and and I know that my wife enjoys the Abita strawberry beer, and I've sipped on one of those before, mm-hmm. and they're pretty good. So, so uh, this is, I mean, this is kind of in that in that Abita Abita range for me. This is not. When they say slightly sour ale, they hit it head on because it's yeah. not. This to me is not like a sour. Yeah, the strawberry letter twenty three that was a straight up sour. It was 
substantially more sour than this one. This is, yeah, this is like barely sour at all, really. Hey, it's slightly sour. This one has more of a cider feel to it than it does a, mm-hmm. like a sour feel. Another week where we are like <laughs> flirting with the idea of a sour <laughs> or a cider. It's true. One day we're just going to come out and we're just going to go get some woodchuck or something or some reds. <laughs> just going to do, a, do a, a cider. Um, so you want to rate this one first or you want me to, you want me to go first? I'll go ahead and rate. Um, do it. This one's pretty good. It's, it's exactly what the description said it would be. Yep. Um, it's a little sweet. It's not like a, you talked about it being like a girly drink. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like it's like a super girly drink. I don't think there's any, you know, it looks girly. It does look very girly. <laughs> like I wouldn't order this at a restaurant unless they left it in the can or something. Um, so, I mean, I paraded it at four Luthers. I think I'm still going to leave it at four Luthers. Um, it's exactly what I expected. It's not as, to me, it's not as good as the watermelon goze from a couple of weeks, or goza from a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, yeah, I think, I think I'm just going to give it four Luthers. That's, uh, that's fair. And, and I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to come in at four losers as well, because to me, this is a little kind of, this is a little bit better than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I gave the strawberry, what did I get? I think I gave it three, maybe three and a half. You gave strawberry uh, letter 23, three losers. Three. And then I gave the watermelon, I think I gave it three and a half. Maybe. Oh no, I did give it four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So if I, I was about to say, this is very comparable to the, to the watermelon. Yeah, uh, it's just got a strawberry flavor instead of yeah, and it's not so. I, I remember specifically the watermelon one had that like watermelon with salt taste mm-hmm. because it was actually made. That's what I guess that's what the goza was. It's made with salt. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, if, if this one had that salt taste, I I don't think I would have rated it as high, right? Because I just I like I like strawberries just plain, like cut them up or grind them up and put them on cheesecake. Uh, but I'll eat strawberries all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I do love some strawberries. But this is the the flavor of it is good. The texture of it is good. Um, it's not heavy. This is a great summertime beer. Yep. This is like I know uh, here in the South we are in like the massive heat wave of all centuries. It's like 127 degrees or something outside. It only so, feels that way. <laughs> The real temperature is only like 80, but it feels like 127. Mm-hmm. And so, but if I were outside hanging out, you know, I would definitely want, want something like this. Yeah. This is definitely uh, standing at the grill or just sitting on the porch beer. Um, mm-hmm. It is, I mean, it's good. It's uh, the flavor in the sour is just subtle enough to where. You can tell there's a little something there, but it's not so in your face. Exactly. Um, like the watermelon Goza was, which is part of the reason why I gave the Goza a five, because it was such like, it was a very obvious sour. Like, that was yeah. that was part of its shtick. Um, this one doesn't have that, like, that punch that I'm looking for in a sour, even though it's a slightly sour. Um, yeah. I think that's just... Uh, Sierra Nevada getting cute with how they label it, but it's still really good. Uh, I'm not. It is. I'm not upset about about it this is. one at all. And I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm. I'm coming in at four because this was a little bit better than I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of anticipated it. Not. I, I've anticipated that I wouldn't like it, uh, or I would just think it was. Eh. But this is this is actually pretty good. I'm. I'm. Am glad that I have five more to drink, and I'm glad that I brought two in here with me tonight. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'll probably down both of them tonight, but uh, yeah, Sierra man, the pale ale was strong. Mm-hmm. This uh, this wild little thing was strong. You guys are you guys are doing well. And since you're listening, right. since you're listening to us now, I guess we can <laughs> obviously. Well, we'll be seeing more ads for Sierra Nevada moving forward. So probably somebody somebody at Sierra Nevada has listened to our podcast. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna claim that right now that somebody over there has listened to it. Well, hey, if that's true, hey, reach out to us. Say something. <laughs> Tell us. Send us an email, please. <laughs> or free beer, one or the other, you know. Yes, we might even try. Where is he? I, we didn't even determine where they were. Are they in? Um, It looks like they're in California. Chico, California. 
That's a that would make sense. Oh no, Mills River, North Carolina. Hey, you guys are in North Carolina, and you're in California, so you can definitely get it to us somehow. Yes. So there's the wild little thing uh, from Sierra Nevada. Got four from Rick. Got four from Patrick. And uh, it's a pretty good little little slightly sour ale. So go find you some at your local grocer or package store or wherever you pick up your six packs and get you a sixer and have a good. Uh, for us, it's the 4th of July weekend, but this isn't going to come out until uh, till like two weeks after that. So I would say happy 4th of July. But anywho, we're going to go on. We're going to move into Packers Concise Theology. We're going to close it out tonight talking about hell and talking about heaven. So stick around. And we're back uh, tonight to conclude Jed Packer's Concise Theology. We are going to talk about hell, and we're going to talk about heaven. So, and we might, I might overlay Stairway to Heaven in the background of this whole Please episode. do. <laughs> Can you just play it on repeat while we talk about this? Because that'd be amazing. An instrumental version of Stairway to Heaven <laughs> would be... Just perfect for what we're I'm talking about. I'm sure I about. can find that on some streaming platform can, can you somewhere. Do, can you do Highway to Hell first? Dude, that way. Yes. So while we're talking about Hell, we'll have Highway to Hell playing in the background. Then when we move to Heaven, we'll go to Stairway to Heaven. That's what you we'll crossfade the two in the middle. Heck amazing. Yes. So, okay, so we're going to start with the um, the bad one first. That's what <laughs> Packer does. Um, we're just following Packer here. Yeah, this is a situation where we will follow Packer. We're going to end... The entire discussion on concise theology talking about um, heaven. So let's dive in. So hell, Packer says, uh, defines hell as the wicked will be banished into endless misery. Um, and I think that's something, something Packer said was that the reality of hell isn't something that a lot of people constantly think about. Um, yeah. A lot of believers want to want to think about the reality of heaven. Mm-hmm. And how great that's going to be. And while we cannot put into words how great heaven is going to be, we at Packer points out at the same time, we cannot point out how terrible hell is going to be. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, there, there's different views on, like, the literal hell versus a metaphorical hell or, or anything. And, and Packer doesn't really dive into that, which I'm glad he didn't because, because, you know, short of, short of something like annihilationism where you believe that when you die, like you just disappear and you're, you're no, you're nowhere or nothing. Um, there, like everybody believes in some type of literal hell or some type of, you know, something where you're tortured, your soul is tortured. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a literal hell or a metaphorical hell, like, you're living in torture for all of eternity. And right. and that's that's what hell really is. I really, like, I've appreciated, I don't, I don't know if they still require it, but in high school, I had to read Dante's Inferno. And I've, I've heard of it, I've never read it, but I need to so read it. I, I read it like a high schooler would, would read it, which is about every other page. Um, but I, but I do remember like Dante in his book, he talked like basically every hell was divided up into layers and the, the worse you were on earth, the further down into hell you went. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the, the first level is for people who like, you know, stole things and in, in this, in their life. And, you know, it was just like, they just kind of had this mediocre punishment for the rest of their life. And you're like, Oh, that's not too bad. And, but then you get down to like the seventh level of hell and you have like a demon blowing ice from his wings and you're, uh, you know, chained up to a wall and it's just this constant ice rain that's hitting you and it's negative a billion degrees or whatever, uh, you know, but the, the imagery, what I appreciated was the imagery that, that he painted was every kind of every level you went down into hell, it was further separation from God, which 
when you take that little nugget away from it, like I honestly believe that's what hell actually is, is separation from the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I look at, you know, I look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus from the gospels where the, the rich man is like, you know, Oh, that, that Lazarus would just bring me one drop of water to soothe my tongue. Like, I mean, it's, it's separation from this, this pleasantness, which, which I would describe as, as the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You're separated from that. And what that leads you to is eternal torment and eternal punishment of your soul, of your body. You know, we can have that discussion, uh, when, when we're talking about something else, but, but in, in the end, hell is the separation of the body or the soul from the presence of God. Right. And, you know, we can't even, I mean, I, I don't want to even try to imagine what that would be like. Um, especially considering that Jesus experienced that on our behalf. Like, yeah, he, fully God, fully man experienced what it was like to be separated from his father when he took on our wrath. Um, yeah. and, and it's, or took on our punishment. He took, he took on the wrath of took God, on the wrath of which God, is yeah. our punishment. Yeah. That's what we deserve. Yeah. And it was, you know, Packer worded as total distress and misery. Like, yeah, that's, it's really, really hard to, to put into words what that would even begin to look like. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it really is. And, and that's honestly, I think that's why many people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I'm going to bring up something and, and it's going to be, it's going to be humorous for us, but you know, you've never seen a film called 90 minutes in hell. Or, you know, 30 minutes in hell. Mm-hmm. It's always 90 minutes in heaven. And, you know, and and I'm not I'm not getting into all that because that gets me on a, a rant that I don't really want to get on tonight. Right. Uh, because because I, I have some feelings about that and they're and they're not good. But, you know, people don't experience hell or they don't claim to experience hell. Now, you know, we go through things and we go through trials and we're like, man. I feel like I'm going through hell on earth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I, you know, I always think about guys that I've known that have gone through the Marine training and they, they go through what's called hell week. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime we think about the word hell, we always think about like this separate, this idea of separation, whether it's separation from your family, it's separation from your friends. It's, it's, it's this isolating feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's inevitably what we end up describing as hell. And so um, you end up with this, and, and Packer says it this way. He says the concept of hell is a negative relationship with God. So if we think of heaven as a positive relationship with God, mm-hmm. then the opposite of that would be a negative relationship with God. And and the sad reality is that some people don't realize they're in a negative relationship with God until they stand before him as creator. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when they, they go, oh, now I see it all. I see it in full and I see it, the truth of it. And yes, I'm getting the just punishment that I deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. in, in scripture points out that hell is a self-chosen, um, self-chosen destination for those, for those yeah. who end up there. Um, and they'll realize that they, you know, why they're there. They'll realize that they didn't choose uh, God as their Lord, um, mm-hmm. that they preferred to indulge in, indulge in their flesh and indulge in their um, what you know what they wanted for their life instead of pursuing the things of God. And, I'm, and that's not to say that a Christian or a believer is not susceptible to fall into that, um, but you know. But they're also going to realize that if they had the opportunity to respond to Jesus and didn't, that decision ultimately led to their destination. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, all of this is born out of something that we've talked about multiple times, um, which is our inherited sin nature. You know, mm-hmm. Romans 1 talks about this, where 
um, you know, God has been clearly revealed uh, in things seen and unseen, and, and we as humanity have rejected that. We have turned against that. And, and then you skip on down to Romans 5, and you have, uh, you know, we have, we have inherited this sin nature, this sin disposition from Adam. Mm-hmm. As our as our you know fraternal head, um, we we have inherited this nature that leads us to the path of destruction, and the only solution is to turn to Christ. That's the only way out of this, and and so you can debate active, not active, whatever. But the reality, the simple truth, is that yes, if you do not accept Christ, you have rejected Christ, and if you reject Christ. The punishment for that sin is death, mm-hmm. death and hell. And, uh, you know that's what Romans three teaches us. And so, so uh, you know it it is a natural progression of events that happen, and you will have no excuse when you stand before your Creator. There, right. you know, there won't be. I didn't hear. I didn't know. None of that will be possible because because Christ has been revealed, mm-hmm. and and you know, people will hear about him. Yeah. So, you know, but, but in the, in the end, the other thing that I see about hell, and, and I don't remember reading this in Packer, he may have hit on a little bit, but a lot of times pastors will use hell as this, uh, was, I, I, I want to say it is almost like clickbait, clickbait like journalism. Scare tactic. A scare tactic. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. It's yeah. a scare tactic. It's mm-hmm. like, do you want to die in flames and all of eternity in hell? Well, no, obviously I don't want to do that. Right. You know, but but at that point, people, again, they're not thinking about hell. They're just thinking about something awful, and and they're and they're listening to this, this preacher mm-hmm. feed them a line, and they're going, well, I don't want to do that, so I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to, to avoid that. It's not about giving your life to Christ, it's about, oh, I'm gonna, I just want to miss out on hell. That's all I really want. Mm-hmm. And so we've also, on, on the flip side of it, as Christians, we have kind of used hell as this pawn to, to strengthen our numbers, both, you know, get converts, whatever it is, and we haven't told the, the entire truth about hell. Mm-hmm. You know, hell is where we all belong. Right. If we're telling the truth about hell, but because of the person and work of Christ, those who put their faith in him will will miss out on hell and they will have eternity in in God's glory and in God's kingdom. Yeah. Um so yeah. What the, you got? The the um I guess the the discouraging thing about that is knowing that, you know, Packer points out that the New Testament teaches about hell a lot. And yeah. throughout the New Testament it teaches that hell is meant to um, Packer puts it as appall us and strike us dumb with horror, yeah. assuring us that heaven is <laughs> better than we can dream and hell is worse than we can conceive. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it seems to there seems to be a recurring theme, especially in the modern, <clears throat> excuse me, in the modern day church, where if it's a tough subject or a subject that could reflect negatively on the on the pastor or you know is gonna drive people away then the, instead of preaching what the word says a lot yeah. of pastors will just steer clear of it and it does it does the church as a whole a, mis- a disservice to not be preaching the yeah. reality of hell because you can't I don't think you can preach the reality of heaven without addressing the reality of hell you can't you can't and and, you know, not to put current day pastors too much on blast here, this is not something that has developed in the last five to ten years. You know, in reality, this, you know, there there has been more turning back to preaching these hard doctrines by a lot of churches in the last ten to fifteen years than there has been previously. This is born out of, you know, what the, the 60s and 70s really gave us as far as church history is concerned, where we really entered into this. I know we talk about like seeker churches and mm-hmm. um, churches that try to focus on drawing people in, in order to, to quasi share the gospel with them. Um, and it's, they, they always put it under these banners of things like, you know, let's remove the barriers. Let's uh, let's meet them where they are. Let's, 
let's go to them, let's, you know, let's do all these things. But we've done this not out in the world, we've done this in the church house. Yeah, and and this, what you're describing there is, I feel like, you know, I might be totally off base by saying this, but I don't think I am. What you're describing there is a strictly, like, unique to the Western church. Like, it... It really like, is like in other in other parts of the world. I don't. I I wouldn't anticipate seeing like a seeker church kind of situation. No, no. you know, you're not going to see an elevation in Europe. You're not going to see a, no. a vertical church. Not that they're seeker necessarily, but you're not going to see mega churches much else in any no. other places. Other there, than the there US. might be a few mega churches in the United Kingdom, and and I would even consider the United Kingdom to still be like Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get outside of the United Kingdom, no, there, there is, there's no such thing as a mega church outside of the except United for, Kingdom and the Hillsong. United States. Hillsong in Australia. Well, I mean, I would even consider Australia Western culture. And, okay. You know, I realize they're in the East, but they're, they're okay. I guess you're, is, you're, you're, your Western culture is not necessarily where you're looking. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you talk about what I mean because uh, Australia is still very, very British influenced, right? In their, but in when their you culture. start talking about like. Eastern Asia, Africa, yeah. South America, Russia. I mean, or, I don't even get into some parts yeah, of Russia. <laughs> yeah, or other parts of Europe even. You're not going to see yeah. 50,000, 60,000 member churches no. like you do in the West. So No, you're not. And and the reality is that, that in the West, in our Western culture, we have pragmatized going to church. We have, we have mm-hmm. said, you know, going to church is the right thing. And... and I mean, the 60s, 70s, really even into the 80s, you have this idea of this, um, what's the what's the guy in California? Robert Schuller. Robert Schuller, who had the Crystal Cathedral. Um, if, you, if you tried to, if you went and listened to Robert Schuller's preaching on a regular basis, uh, he built the biggest church in, in California for the longest time, but definitely in the, the 80s. Um, it was called the Crystal Cathedral. And, and everything that he preached, he preached basically, I mean, he was the, he was Joel Osteen before Joel Osteen came on the scene. Gotcha. Uh, you know, everything was, here's how you do your life better. Here's how, nothing was grounded in scripture. Nothing was preached. But what Robert Schuller would do is he would always kind of lean back because his church was what they called Dutch reformed. So Dutch reformed is one of the, the more strict, Kind of, you know, we need to teach theology. We need to teach doctrine. That that um, denomination is very, very strict in what they teach. And when it when it came down to academics and when it came down to that kind of stuff and people pressuring him from that side, he would always just kind of claim his Dutch Reformed heritage. But it, like, if you watched a Sunday service, you'd be like, this guy is not Dutch Reformed. There's nothing in any of his services because everything was built around the spectacle, the, you know, look at how big our church is. Look at how many people come to our church. Look at how much we're doing. Look at how much we're, we're, uh, you know, affecting our community because we have 40,000 people coming into our church on a, on a weekly basis. And, and that was the litmus test that they used to define success. And, and that kind of became the standard for things like Willow Creek and Elevation and North Point and these mega, mega, you know, like when you're talking to mega church, you're realistically talking about 2,000 people and bigger. But but I think in American eyes, when we talk about mega churches, we talk about churches that, that may contain 10,000 people or more mm-hmm. is what we, because, I mean, a 2,000 member church could be right down the street from you in, in rural, you know, Alabama, rural Mississippi, that any of those could contain 2,000 member churches, but you get to a 10,000 member church. That's kind of what we call a, a mega church as far as our society is concerned. Right. Sorry. I had a birth there. There you go. Um, so, so anyway, you know, we, we've let this idea of this seeker model, this seeker sensitive, and we have to, uh, we have to bow to their wishes infiltrate our church Mm -hmm. and it's driven us down a path where we don't teach the bible and we teach from the bible we open the bible and teach it but we don't teach the bible right and i think there's a difference yeah and and that's ultimately where the disservice ends up being is you have 10 20 30 
more people, you know, or more people, you know, Joel Osteen's got who knows how many, I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of people at Joel Osteen's church oh, every single Sunday. He bought a basketball arena. He's yeah. easily in the thirty to 40,000 yeah, so, 30, 30, 40, people a week. Yeah, so you're talking about thousands of people in your church and you're not teaching them, you know, the reality that just going to church isn't enough to get you into heaven. Just, yes. you know, just being in the building once a, once a week isn't enough. Oh, excuse me. I had to burp. And, <laughs> and it's not that it has anything to do with what we do anyway. Like, it doesn't matter if you're at the church every single time the doors are open. Or even when the doors aren't open if you're there. Like, none of that matters. If you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're destined for hell. Yeah. And to me, that is the most important message that pastors of any size church, whether it be 10 people or 10,000 people need to be preaching, but it feels like the bigger your church gets, the less likely you are to preach that. Yeah. Because you have to water down the message. You have to appease the masses in order to keep the masses coming back. You know, there's an old adage that says, you know, whatever draws them here, keeps them here. Mm-hmm. So if you water down your message to draw them, then you're going to have to keep watering it down to keep them. And, the, and that's just the the sad reality. And that's where we've come as a church. Yeah, We've gone from teaching, you know, doctrine and theology in churches to teaching, you know, seven ways to make your marriage better. Or in the case of guys like Ed Young, seven ways to make your sex life better, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous to be teaching on a Sunday morning. Yeah, and I mean, and people wonder why the the younger you get, the more likely people are to to fall away from the church. If that makes yeah. sense, like, yeah, like because there's no substance. They, they're if you've been to a church for any length of time, and we're harping on the church a little bit here, but yeah. it's part of the discussion at this point. So, but you know. If you've been to a church for any length of time and there's not strong foundation and you're not being taught how to defend your faith and, and what good doctrine and good theology is and, and you're not taught how to read your Bible when you go off on your own, you're not going to know how to do it. And if you're not taught how to guard yourself against the, the ways of the world, then you're going to you're more than likely going to fall into the trap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when that happens, you know, the, a lot of the times I feel like the church is like, well, what happened to that kid? There's, they were such a good kid in church. It was like the church failed. Yeah. The church failed to prepare this kid going off to college for the first time or going into the world for the yeah. first time to, to be a functioning believer in today's society. And we're talking about the West, right? You know, the Western culture right now, because it's what we know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, we act surprised at those kind of things, but we don't, we're not willing to recognize our failures that led to those things. You know, okay. our our job was to bring them to the church, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to shift the blame from the church all the way down to the family. Mm-hmm. You know, it I was, was the same thing it, in, in when I was growing up, um, it was you go to church to get your education about church the church teaches you about christian things and the school teaches you all the education you need and and math and reading and all that and 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 there there just wasn't a ton at least in in my house now i'm i'm not i'm not at all saying that my parents did not care about my education they absolutely did they did everything to provide a good stable education for me but i think part of it was around their the culture they were brought up in was it was just, you know, if this is this person, if the church is here, then it's the church's responsibility to teach my kids about the Bible. And it's, you know, and the parents would review things. Well, Hey, newsflash, it's the parent's job to teach their kids about the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's what Deuteronomy teaches us. Go read the book of Deuteronomy and find out what God instructed Israel to do. Parents, you're supposed to talk about it in your waking days and your sleeping times. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be the one who's instructing your children. Proverbs 22, raise up a child in the way that he should go. 
parents. That's your job. That's my job as a yeah. parent. It, do, and it, it's, it doesn't say that it, no, nowhere in scripture does it say that it's the church's responsibility no. to teach your children how to it's live like not, Jesus. It's not. And, and we've, now the church is supposed to be a help. The church is supposed to be an aid. So, parents, if you don't understand something, perfectly fine for you to go, hey, I need some help teaching this, understanding this, so I can teach it to my kids. Right. That is perfectly fine. But it's not your job to go drop your kids off on Wednesday night services and go, you know, go have fun reading the Bible while I go over here to the Mexican restaurant and eat. Right. You know, that is not your job, parents. Your job is to be there and to be the spiritual instructor for your children and the church is supposed to help you do that. Yeah. And honestly, as a parent, it's hard, you know, and, and my son is too. I've talked about, I've talked about that before. It's hard to teach him even now about Jesus and about scripture because he, you know, he comprehends a lot, but he doesn't communicate a lot. Yeah. Um, you with older kids, I imagine it's even more difficult Especially when you, all you want to do is yell at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, we're not saying we've got all this figured out and we, you know, it's only going to get harder as, as our kids yeah. get older. So we're preaching to ourselves really at this yeah. point, but we, it's a good reminder for me personally that it is my job to make sure I teach my son how to live like Jesus, how to love Jesus to push him to that, to make that decision. Yeah. Um, so that he doesn't spend eternity in hell. Yeah. And, and that, and that's the ultimate goal. And we have totally deviated kind of away from hell. But the, the reason we're having this conversation is because a lot of, a lot of what we believe about hell has directly spawned from the failings of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, we believe hell is just this uber bad place. Um, Packer closes out his section on hell by saying the purpose of teaching about hell is to make us appreciate and em embrace the rationality of, of the grace of Christ. You know, it's the hell is not supposed to be a scare tactic, mm -hmm. but it is supposed to scare us. You know, it's, and that's the thing is it's just because it's a bad thing. It, it, it can scare us, but that's, that's supposed to point us in the direction of Christ. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of, of hell. Yeah. And if you think about it, Packer points it out too. It's really a, an amazing mercy of God that he points out in scripture, the reality of hell. Yeah. Like God could have been like, you know, here's heaven and heaven is great and not said anything else about the alternative. Exactly. Um, but instead, because of his grace and his mercy, God pointed out in his word that hell is a real place. Here is what happens when, you know, if you don't, if you don't come to know Jesus, if you don't put your faith in him, you are destined to spend your eternity in hell. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, if we've, if it's in the Bible and we've heard the message of the gospel, we can't say we haven't been warned. Yeah. So if, if, if you're a parent, you're going to understand this analogy that I'm going to give here. It's, it's the same as when you look at your kids and you say, if you don't do this instruction that I'm giving you instruction, a, if you don't do this, this is going to be the consequence. I'm going to give you a spanking. I'm going to ground you. I'm going to take away your iPad, whatever the consequence is that is terrible. And you want it to be terrible because you want your kid to go, no, I don't want to do that. Um, this is the exact same reason, and and again, it's not to scare us, but it's to make us think critically about the choices that we make. Yeah, you know, if you if you want to make good decisions, you have to teach them what good decisions are, and then you also have to allow them to make bad decisions and understand those consequences of what bad decisions are. Yep. And then you say, okay, now let's talk about heaven and hell. Hell is a bad decision. Heaven is a good decision. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then why is heaven a good decision? Well, because it's it leads to faith in Christ. It leads to this. It leads to that. And and none of this is a prosperity driven thing where where it's all about you know what you're going to get, but it's all about heaven is a place that's going to be full of the glory of God. Heaven is a right. place where we're going to worship. Heaven is a place where 
we're going to see these things. And and again, this is where a, a lot of these pop culture movies have gotten it wrong. Uh, you know, it's not about spending ninety seconds or ninety minutes or thirty minutes or whatever it is in heaven. It, it's a it's about heaven being full of the glory of God. Period. Right. You know, uh, because and, and we're just going to slide on into heaven here. Packer defines this as God will welcome his people into everlasting joy. So if if hell is the opposite of that, if it is everlasting torment or endless misery, then heaven is everlasting joy. Yeah. And and it's going to be full of the glory of God and it's going to produce in us worship. Uh, and and I, I've heard one person describe it this way. I can't remember who it was who described it this way, but he said, you know, heaven is, you know, we think about doing the same action over and over and over again, but we've never really fully experienced the infinity of God. And when we actually experience the infinity of God in heaven, it's going to be like every time we look at him, we see something new that we didn't see before. Yeah. And it's going to be, and, and so that, that new thing that we see is going to cause us to worship again. Yeah. And then we, and then we, we, we worship and then the cycle just repeats and it's going to repeat for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. That is what heaven realistically is. You know, yeah. it's, we, we joke and we talk about it being, you know, I'm going to go walk down the streets of gold and I'm going to have a, you know, a cold one with St. Peter and, and we're going to sit back and talk and I'm going to go talk to Paul and, you know, we're going to have a good old time. While there may be some of that in heaven, I understand, you know, we want to think that way, but the reality is everything that is done in heaven will be done for the glory and worship of God, period. Exactly. Yeah, you're talking about the, like, every time you look at God, it's we're, we're going to see something we haven't seen about him before. Um, I think about, you know, when you read scripture and you've read a verse a thousand times, yeah, and, and you read it again, and you're like, you know what, I've never realized this. And, and, and it's really a kind of cool example of what happens here when we're when reading God's word of what's going to happen for all of eternity when we're in heaven with God, yeah, experiencing the fullness of of the of everlasting joy. Exactly. It's and and it's it's impossible to describe now because we can't think of anything in an infinite way. Right. You know, um, our minds are not set up that way. We're we're finite. We're ending. Um, and so it's, it's just impossible for us to comprehend the infinite as finite people, Mm -hmm. but, but we can try to think about it. We can try to think of analogies that give us kind of a picture. Uh, and so that's one of the best pictures that I've seen as far as describing what the reality of heaven would be like, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be about, you know, living in big houses and, and the new heavens and the new earth, uh, us all driving Corvette. You know, every time I think of people describing heaven as, you know, we're going to, it's going to be this lavish lifestyle or whatever. I always think of the end of Mr. Deeds, uh, when he buys everybody like red Corvettes or whatever. Yes. Great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. It's a really fun movie. Um, but it's not going to, it's not going to be like that where everybody goes and gets a red Corvette because here's here's the sad reality of heaven is that we are going to be rewarded in heaven according to our you know faithfulness here on the earth now you may make it to heaven and and you may get in there and and I will absolutely agree that being a a street sweeper in in heaven is better than being the greatest person in you know that barely made it into hell or or didn't quite make it into heaven or whatever right you know so, so whatever your role is in heaven, it will be for the glory of God and it will have a purpose. Right. Um, but, but it makes us think about the way that we live our lives now, the words that we use, the, the tone that we use, the, the words that we speak. And, and even in today's society, and, I, and I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble for going a little bit political, but with everything going on in today's society, uh, Black Lives Matter, racism, um, Marxism, whatever it is, Christian, you are responsible for the words that you're going to say. So you need to watch your tone when you're posting on Facebook. When you're, (laughs) you need to watch what you say 
because you're going to be held responsible. And guess what? It doesn't matter if that other person is a Marxist, anarchist, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. Your tone is what's going to be called to reckon for, not that person. Right. I mean, you don't have to justify yourself to that person. Yeah. As believers, we are called to treat everybody with love and compassion to speak the yes. truth, but to treat, but to speak to the truth with love and compassion. And we just yes. because we have, just because we live with Jesus in our hearts, just because we are led by the Holy Spirit, does not give us the right. It does not justify treating anybody, um, regardless of their yeah. political affiliation. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Believe it or not, believer, there might be a Democrat in your church that loves Jesus just as much as you do. Yes. Crazy thing. It's this yeah. crazy thing. Yeah. Heaven forbid, just because somebody might hold to some Marxist tendencies doesn't mean they're a non-Christian. Yeah. You know, you need to talk to people and quit reacting to everything that somebody says on a major news network. Because the reality is they're trying to incite you. They're trying to get you to react. Yeah. And it's your job. I, I saw a tweet the other day that, that said something about, you know, we need to read more Bible and less news. We need to, to focus on more scripture and less, you know, extracurricular things, whatever it is that supports our opinion. Mm-hmm. Because the reality of it is it doesn't matter what we believe about America, what we believe about Europe, what we believe about the one world order, none of that pay, it matters when you put it up to the, the guide of Scripture. Right. Scripture is to be what defines the way that we respond to every person, every cause, every nation, every instance, every time. Yeah. And I will stand by that until the day that I die. Mm-hmm. Scripture is our guiding cause. Scripture is our authority. I don't care what MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, you name them, this letter, that letter, I don't care what they say. I don't care how they report it. I don't care because it's not what Scripture says. We are to respond the way Scripture says, period, end of argument. You cannot come at me. Yeah. And and like you said, believer, we're not going to be held responsible for what the other person's, whatever the, po- whatever the other person's post or whatever they said, you know, we're not going to be held responsible for what incited our reaction. We're going to be responsible for our reaction. Exactly. God's not going to be like, oh, well, they obviously are wrong, so you were right to treat them like total crap. You know, that's not that's not how that works. Exactly. As a believer, we don't have the we don't have the right to treat anybody like less than they are. And yes. if, as believers, we be, we we hold that all people are created in the image of God, and here's the here's the funny thing about this this whole idea, and I think what we're getting at here is the idea of turning the other cheek. You know, um, in in that culture in that day. Uh, and, and I'm going to use this specific one, the, the, in the Beatitudes or, or in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses the example of if someone asks you to carry their bag for a mile, you carry it for two miles, Mm -hmm. you carry it for two miles. Okay. So in that culture, in that time, oh, sorry, my Siri is trying to talk to me here. Um, in that culture and in that time, uh, if, if a Roman soldier came up to somebody and said, I want you to carry my sack for one mile, then that person was legally obligated to carry their sack, that soldier's sack, for one mile. Mm-hmm. Not more than a mile, not less than a mile. So the reality is that Jesus is telling them to break the law and carry it for two miles. And here's the funny thing about that whole situation. If that person carried it for two miles, you know who gets in trouble? The soldier, not the person carrying the pack. Because the Roman law said that they should carry it for one mile and one mile only. Mm. And if they carried it more than one mile, then the soldier was abusing their responsibility. And if they carry it less than a mile, then the person carrying it was not living up to their responsibility? Exactly. Exactly. And so 
So Jesus is saying, hey, you go the extra mile. You go against what the law says to do something extra for somebody else. Mm. And 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 so, you know, you have this idea of it's, it's not just about turning the cheek or doing something extra. Yes, it is about that. But it's about doing something extra so that somebody sees your love for, for whatever it is. And, and, and this whole point is you, you point them back to God. I'm mm-hmm. doing this because I love God. And I'm doing this because... And and here's the reality. If somebody is an anarchist, Marxist, rioting, looting, you know, that you, when you respond to them in kindness, instead of responding to them with yelling and shouting about what they actually are, more than likely they're going to begin to break down. They may not break down the first time, second time. It may take six months. It may take six years. Mm-hmm. But they will break down if you consistently respond in love. Which is what First Corinthians tells us to do. Yeah, and it's really been what we've been talking about for it feels like weeks <laughs> on the podcast. It but, has, but, but, I mean, I'm, it is. But I mean, you know, people need to hear the truth. Yes, and and you should not water down the truth for anybody at any point at any time. But if you're not speaking the truth in love, then you might as well be. Yeah, yes. and you might as well be speaking a lie, because it, it's not a, it's not going to be effective. Um, Jesus spoke the truth all the time. He flipped tables and cracked whips and kicked people out of the temple doing it sometimes. Yeah, but he was doing that out of compassion and love. He was so. He was, and and Paul says. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. And so when, to bring this back to our discussion on heaven and hell, what's going to point people to heaven is our response as Christians. How we represent the kingdom of God is going to point people to heaven. And my question to you, Christian, is are you pointing to people to heaven or are you pointing people to hell with the way that you live your life? The way that you respond to the work that Christ did, everything that we've talked about over the last 45 weeks of this podcast, are you pointing people to Christ and heaven, or are you pointing people to the devil and hell? Mm. And I think that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's a great, great spot to, to end this whole discussion on concise theology. Um, maybe the only thing I would want to add here. And it's the last, really the last point that Packer wants to make, or that Packer makes in the entire book. Um, he says that hearts on earth say in the course of a joy in the yeah hearts on earth say in the course of a joyful experience. I don't want this ever to end, but it invariably does. The hearts of those in heaven say, "I want this to go on forever," and it will. There can be no great, no better news than this. So, you know, when we're experiencing something on heaven and it's something so great, when you go on vacation and you're standing at the beach and you're like, man, I really wish this could go on forever. Eventually, you'll have to go back to real world. You have to go back to work. You have to go back home. You have to go back to disciplining your kids and taking care of your dogs and doing all that kind of fun stuff. Um, When you get to heaven... You'll you'll say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. Yes. Like, like, like th- think of the most amazing thing you could think of to experience on Earth. It will be a, a grain of sand in comparison yeah. to, the, to the grandeur of heaven. Yes. So with that... Patrick, if they want to reach us on social media, where do they do that? So we've got uh, several. We're, we're active on, well, I say active. We have several social media <laughs> profiles. We're, we try to post. Yeah, we really do. So uh, we are on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. We are on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook. You just search Beers and Bible Podcast and look for our logo and then you can also email us. We are at uh, our email address is beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you, discuss any questions about theology and doctrine that you have, um, 
you have any beers that you'd like to suggest that you think we could get our hands on, we'd love to, to hear that. And, um, you know, make sure you're liking and sharing and uh, telling your friends about the podcast. We're, we're trying to get the, keep this thing rolling. Um, like, like we said a couple weeks ago, it's just these two guys doing everything. <laughs> um, so we, we appreciate everyone that takes the time to listen to us go on and on about whatever topic we're discussing and talk about beer and, and certain things. So, um, but, but do, do make sure that you're sharing with your friends and family. Cause right now that's the best way that we, we know to, uh, to advertise the podcast. So, um, yeah. So until next week, have a good week. Enjoy some, uh, wild little thing and we will see you later. Deuces. If you enjoy what you hear on beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.